Remember when Super Nintendo games are scary? Yeah, me neither. But they were. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Press B to Cancel. Today, I am joined by the infamous Guy Prime. How you doing, sir? Doing great. How are you today? I am pretty damn good myself. I'm, good. I'm excited to get to our topic today. Same. We are talking about Super Metroid, <laughs> sometimes known as Metroid 3, if you like, just look at that one little screen at, when you fire it up, but otherwise, Super Metroid. <laughs> It's a great, a very beloved game. I'm surprised we don't talk more about the series, actually. Yeah, me too. I've played through every single one of them, except for Other M, which I've heard terrible things about, but mm -hmm. I still want to play through it. And then we've got Metroid Dread coming out very soon. <gasps> Is that the official name? I hadn't heard that. That's how out of the loop I am. Yes, it comes out October 8th. So that's just around the corner now. Awesome. And I'm, I'm super pumped. But today we're going to talk about Super Metroid, and honestly, this was a game that pulled a lot of inspiration from probably horror movies, horror science fiction movies to some degree, to really help set the tone of the game when it comes to exploring and feeling uneasy and all that sort of thing. They made really good use of the sound design and little bits of visuals to really nail that home that you, you don't know what you're doing. It's a very alien place. So uh, when was the first time you played through Super Metroid? Oh, man, it was a year and a half ago. <laughs> I, I spent most of 2020 <laughs> doing series, and I started off with a bunch of like blind playthroughs or first playthroughs. Uh, Metroid and Super Metroid were, I think, March. They, they took up most of March for me. Uh, I had played bits and pieces of the first Metroid, but mostly uh, to try to learn like the, the glitches and stuff, because you can glitch the hell out of the original version of Metroid Prime. So played through all of Metroid, and then when Super Metroid came up, uh, I was so excited because that game has such an amazing following. And my exposure to the Metroid series really had just been Metroid Prime, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you might even say it's a comfort game that I vibe with. <laughs> uh, that's a, a Twitter joke uh, or reference, not a joke. Anyway, so yeah, it was, it was oops, March of 2020 was my first playthrough of Super Metroid. Wow. Did you perceive any horror aspects to it when you were playing through it? I'm just curious. I played through it when I was a kid and playing through as an adult might feel different. The, the answer is yes, but. Uh, yes, but <laughs> un, un, unrealizing. Here's what I mean really? by that. Yes, when you and I were discussing topics, you had said horror aspects of Super Metroid, and my knee-jerk reaction was, what? Horror? What? But as soon as I thought that, I'm like, holy shit, it totally is. The whole game does give you creepy vibes, and there's a claustrophobia to every Metroid game, whether it's first-person, uh, such as the Prime series. You're in an alien hallway, and you can't see too much further than, the, I mean, you can only see what's on your screen, which is not that much. So. Yes, there are absolutely horror aspects to the Metroid games, but not 
so much where it is a horror game. But what they do, they do incredibly efficiently and well, both babies and GBs. Yeah, they like I'm I'm not going to sit here and say it's an absolutely terrifying game to play or anything like that. It has a couple of moments that really surprise the player and <laughs> maybe to a degree might jump scare you a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's about it. Like when uh oh, what was that alligator? That lava alligator thing. I can't yeah. remember its name. I should know it. But when it jumps out of the wall again as just a skeleton after you just submerged it into lava, yeah, and melted its face off, and it it scared the crap out of me when I played it. But I was ooh probably ten or eleven the first time I played this game, and oh man, <laughs> that moment there got me good. This was a game that really made use of the sound design big time. They went hard at the the music that was more ambient and creepy at times, or just ambient noise. And we we just talked about this with Secret of Evermore in the RPG episode. This was a game that did it first, and it did it very well. It didn't do it a ton. I mean, there's a lot of places where, you know, the, the music is just straight up badass. That's just Super Metroid, right? Mm-hmm. You get into the, what, the Phantom Ship, and there's, I think there was no music when you first get there. And it's all in the dark, and... So you can see where they drew inspiration from horror stuff. But yeah, it's not a terribly scary game. It just makes you nervous while playing. So it makes you jumpier at everything you do in those spots. Right. Well, okay. So if you were to compare it to an actual like full-fledged horror game, let's say Silent Hill or um, even, even better Resident Evil, those games are good about putting you in a a creepy setting and then giving you scary visuals to shoot. Metroid, in most of its iterations, in my opinion, does only the first half. They don't give you skinless dogs that you have to shoot, although you do melt the face off that one thing you were talking about. But it it (laughs) makes you very aware of your surrounding and where you are and who you are because you are this badass chick in this awesome suit. But you're in an alien environment where literally everything is trying to kill you and you're in the dark for a lot of it. And in that way specifically, it's, it's almost like if you have a fear of scuba diving or deep sea diving, it is akin, at least with me, that level of fear and anxiety. I don't want to be down there. That is basically an alien world where I can't breathe. I got to be in this suit and everything here can kill me and wants to. Yeah, it's 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 that feeling. And so while you don't have the scary, skinless, you know, creepy stuff to shoot at, they do a good job of of keeping you aware of who you are, where you are and what you're up against. And I think that is where it's most effective. Yeah. And there's certain places where they really make use of the music, like that when you fight Spore Spawn, the music in there is just creepy. It's basically just Audrey 2 on steroids. But the music (laughs) is really creepy and it does it sort of like hypnotic dance before it shoots spores at you it's (laughs) it's all very well timed and planned Mm -hmm. and uh it feels more deliberate than a lot of games have felt for me in a long time actually yeah as somebody who's only aware of the reputation of this game up until you know the past two years i know that it pumps up free well you know for example when they they did the super nintendo mini that was one of the games that was on there. And I, I think you, you can make an argument that 
that is the singular game that bridges the span between platformers and RPGs because it's a platformer, absolutely. But because of the adventure aspect of it, it marries those two genres and categories. And, and I think probably Super Metroid sold a lot of those minis for Nintendo uh, more so than, than just Final Fantasy III or just Mario RPG or just, you know, whatever. So... Oh yeah, I would I would definitely venture to say that probably uh Link to the Past and Super Metroid were some of the biggest reasons people bought that thing. Those two do go very well together. They do. I don't know if you've played it, but I've played the the ROM hack that mashes the two together. I, I haven't played it because I'm so unfamiliar with both of those, having only played each one once, but I, I have watched uh their like speedrun competitions of of those hacks and all these things. It, it's very fun and incredibly sensical. When I first heard about it, I'm like, what the fuck? Who would think to do that? But having watched it, I'm like, yeah, I get it now. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's <laughs> the only thing that sucks about it is when you're playing through and, you know, in, in Zelda, finding a chest full of rupees is, eh, it's okay. But in, when you're wandering around in Zelda looking for your next major upgrade <laughs> to advance in either Zelda or Super Metroid and you find five missiles, yeah. It's it's pretty disappointing. Or when <laughs> you find punch. you know, uh, <laughs> when you find you you find a secret in Super Metroid and it's ten rupees. Oh, <laughs> but it's <laughs> you were supposed so to. So it's super interesting bombs. how they managed to span it across both games and like double gut punch you. You know, yeah. Well, it's like ham gravy. You know that game uh, that that hack is ham gravy. Who would have thought to make gravy out of ham? Don't those two things don't sound similar or go well together until somebody does it and you realize I've needed this all my life. <laughs> it's ham gravy. Yeah. So I don't want to just talk about the horror aspects. I just thought that would be a fun jumping off point. We're in the chronology for Metroid because again, my exposure up until recently has only ever been Metroid Prime. And when I got into Metroid Prime, it changed a lot of things for me in gaming. Uh, that, at the time, is what moved me away from retro gaming to modern-day gaming, which, again, was GameCube. Where, where in the chronology is Super Metroid, and what year did that come out? Okay, so Super Metroid came out 1994. It's, it's pretty deep in the series. You've got Metroid slash Zero Mission, Prime, Prime 2, Prime 3, eventually Prime 4. And then you go to Metroid 2 for the Game Boy, and then Super Metroid. Okay. So that's the order of the games, followed by Other M, Fusion, and then apparently Dread comes out after that, like, story-wise. How is that going to look? Is that going to be in the same style as Other M, or as one of the Primes, or...? Um, it looks like it's going to be a 2D platformer, much like Super Metroid and Fusion and uh, Zero Mission. No swag. But the graphics are 3D, so I'm guessing they're probably taking what they learned from Samus Returns for the 3DS and improving upon that for the Switch. That's going to be great. They're going to hopefully knock it out of the park instead of doing like what Battletoads has done. I hate to say it that way. Yeah, but... I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited for it, and I'm hopeful, but yeah. we'll see. Well, that's, that's the thing, like, of, of all the franchises... Uh, that Nintendo, like the, their flagships, you know, Mario and Zelda and all these things. I always felt like Metroid is there, but it never gets talked about as much. Uh, and the reason it's there is because it can constantly be updated and reworked. And so long as the game is quality, we know that we buy into the lore. 
So, you know, all, all you have to worry about is making a good game and then you can you can adjust the IP to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So Super Metroid takes takes place pretty deep in the the lore timeline. And this is the second time she was supposedly dealing with the space pirates. But honestly, when you consider everything in between, this is going to be probably her sixth adventure dealing with the space <laughs> pirates rather than just her second. <laughs> so some of the stuff they did with Metroid Prime sort of caused a weird retcon position. Yeah. And uh, that's unfortunate. But honestly, the game itself is super solid. The it there's the storytelling standalone amazing because mm-hmm. you you know exactly what's up she just returned from uh SR388 which is the home planet of the metroids and wiped them all out except for one little larva and she was like here scientists have a larva <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the space pirates are like whoa, whoa, whoa we we need that and they break in kill all the scientists you get to see all the dead bodies as you wander in and then Ridley emerges out of the darkness and attacks you. And it's <laughs> it it was it definitely set the tone for the game quite well. Yeah, uh, one of the things, and I've, I'm taking from some Reddit posts because again, my my knowledge and experience in, in Metroid is limited. But there is actually an entire like subreddit about metroid as a horror game and and it's more about like you said the ambient noise and music which they they do so well the lighting or lack of lighting but also the visual cues that tell the story you know when you see uh a a metroid shell that has been like molted away so you know something bigger is just in the next room like that that plays a lot more into the psychology of gaming than i think people typically realize Oh, yeah. The first time I got to that point, it's, and it's not just the Metroid shell. It's all the dead creatures that <laughs> you just walk up to and you either shoot them or touch them and they just, you know, ash away into nothing. Right. It was it was like, oh, crap. What the hell is here that caused all this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that's that's how they open up Metroid Prime on that space uh, frigate or whatever. Because you show up and there's that SOS beacon or that distress signal you're re- responding to. And then you go in and there's all of these space pirates that are just almost dead. And as you approach them or if you, if you touch them once or shoot them once, then they're like, I'm out forever. Bye. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that idea of what the fuck caused all this carnage and why am I walking toward it? So interestingly enough, apparently when they were deciding, when, when the developer or the, the game designer, lead designer, was coming up with ideas for how to tell the story. Mm-hmm. He created a lot of these scenes on a VHS first. So he literally used a camcorder to like film these and get the feel of what he wanted to do, and then they translated that into the game. That's brilliant, though. I love that. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, horror as a, as a medium is, is usually portrayed on, on film, on... on... Uh, well, yeah, and video. So that that makes sense. That tracks. That's genius. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, that's kind of wild. I only learned that this morning. I was doing the research a little bit and mm. <laughs> went and looked at a developer interview. I was like, wow, that's that's really cool. They did some unusual <laughs> things. Apparently, the lead designer 
knew almost nothing about the technology of the Super Nintendo. And Gunpei Yokoi was like, you know what? I'd rather you not know the technical limitations. That way you're not turned off by any ideas you have. I'd rather you know nothing about the tech than go, oh, that's not possible. Right. And then you just just let the designer, just let the, the, the programmers figure that out. If they yeah. come back and tell you it's not possible, okay. But don't shy away from an idea because you think it's not possible. Right. And it, it's so funny that you say that. I just got done recording a thing this morning, and part of it was talking about drums and how I said, even though I was classically trained, I wish I had been self-taught because when you're classically trained, you know the inner workings you, you've seen under the hood. So you, you, you understand how it should go, how, you know, uh, how, how it should look, how it should feel, how it should sound. Whereas if you're self-taught, you can just do whatever you want. And if it sounds the way you want it, then you're, you're successful. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. You know, an, another game that filmed some things on film that did not turn out quite so well, uh, Twisted Metal. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see the, the camera footage from then. Yeah, that would be really interesting just to see the little office home movies they made. To, like, this is what we want to make happen, so let's pretend we're doing that. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, I, I think back to, and one of the other themes, not themes, but events that usually happens in a Metroid, is here's a siren and a, a countdown. Very few games have ever done that in a way that is as terrifying. Like... Uh, Bionic Commando did that, and you only had 20 seconds instead of like a whole ass minute or whatever. But still, I felt more, much more anxiety trying to escape in, in Super Metroid than I did Bionic Commando, because probably the use of the shakiness and the, you, you know, I, I just learned this entire giant place, now I got to do it all backwards. I, I don't know what it was, but man, they do it really effectively, and they do it, they, you know, every game has, I think, at least one, at least that I've played. Yeah, well, not just that, but even in the space station, like you've got the screen wobbling back and forth. You've got the shaking as well when there's explosions. You've got things falling from above you, sometimes hitting you and messing with you. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's not the first time they did it in Metroid 1 after you beat the final boss. Mm -hmm. But they give you a taste of it right at the beginning of the game on the space station. And then you get the truly stressful version of it at the end. And, you know, if you may, if your first time through, it's entirely possible to make a couple of mistakes and, ah, crap, now I'm screwed. Right. And honestly, this has kind of become a trope of Metroid. I think in almost every game, there's you have X amount of time to escape before everything goes to shit. <laughs> but I, I don't think I've ever been as stressed as I was the first time I was trying to escape Zebus in Super Metroid. But, yeah, but again, like think of the psychology there, where they say... Here was this horribly stressful thing from the end of the first game. That's how we're starting off the second one. Here's a reminder of why you need to be terrified and understand we're not nerfing the beginning for you because the hard thing at the end is how we're starting this one and it's just going to get worse from there. Like that's the that's the feeling, that's the psychology of it, that's the the mental messitude, <laughs> the the fearitude <laughs> that they they instill in people with ah oh shit you know, the, the, the big finale is how we start off. And any time a movie or, or music or a video game can start off that way, it's, it's very effective. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, what? The, you end up finding these little cute aliens that teach you an ability in this game. 
and we'll come back to that in a minute. But at the end of the game, when you're escaping, you can actually find a secret room that they're in and help them escape before you escape. Mm, yeah. That was a cool little touch. <laughs> you find these little guys that, like these three cute little gremlin things and a bird that teach you how to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you can save them. So it, it was kind of neat. Bo, though there's a theory. Um, I got to find the timeline again. Because I think, yeah, Fusion comes after Super Metroid. So you run into those animals again in Fusion. But Fusion is when apparently they've been testing the uh, the, the parasite that kills Metroids and combining it with other things. And I guess it can take whatever form it wants and assimilate. So you save them again in Fusion and uh, supposedly that they're not the actual animals in that one. They're the X virus or whatever it was. Hmm. And so this time around, instead of saving the animals, she's inadvertently saving the thing that spent the whole game trying to kill her. I love it. So there's there's a lot of cool theories and mythology in this. And I don't want to outright say, you know, that's how it plays out because I, I got burned on Final Fantasy VIII for that one, apparently. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Good that was back. my bad. No, but uh, <laughs> I swore it said something different when I read the article four years ago, but I guess not. Well, who cares? It was a great episode. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm glad you I said it. By. Because I, I think he's dead. Yeah. Um, so did, did you find the parallels between Samus saving and kind of being a mothering type thing, uh, to that Metroid? Did, did you find the parallels between that and, uh, Ridley from, or or is it Ripley from Alien? Ripley. Yeah. Rid, Ridley's from Metroid. Ripley is, is, so yeah, cause she kind of becomes that, that mother figure as well. Uh, loosely stated. Like, yeah. Uh, very much, I, I would venture to say that Samus was almost entirely, at least originally, inspired by Alien and Ripley. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the Ridley name uh, homage, but uh, strong, badass, spacefaring woman. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially the further she gets in, like you, you watch through the Alien movies and they're not always great, but she's always a badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that that's that's where people have issue with other M is because in that one Samus is emotionally not as strong, not as willful. She's apparently subservient to other people to a degree that doesn't make sense for her and scared of Ridley. Mm. I don't know. I I need to play through it because I don't know firsthand. I've only read all these things and been like, well, I'm like <laughs> Yeah. The story sounds like garbage, but the game is supposedly pretty good, so I want to play the game. Yeah, I think, and really, like, she's she's the type of character and her skill set, her moves, which really, I, I think, they, they nail with uh, Super Metroid. Anytime that you can, you can be that person and do those moves, it's fun. And, I mean, Smash Brothers is a great example of that. Playing as, as Samus is one of the, the, in my opinion, my favorite things from, from the Smash series is playing as Samus. Yeah, I did go through a stint where I I loved playing as Samus almost constantly. Mm-hmm. Her controls in this game, while sometimes not as... 
it's hard to say that they're not tight because the controls in this game are super tight. I think I just don't completely comprehend how the uh what is it? The lightning jump or whatever where yeah, you sure. can keep jumping over and over and over. I will oftentimes after I've had that ability for a while or just got it miss my jump. Mhm and end up not getting the next double jump and then now she doesn't jump anymore and she falls instead and <laughs> i don't know why that happens to me i can never get the timing for that quite right the wall jump i can nail uh, especially now after playing through the game a couple dozen times you know it's just easy to do for me and so that's something it gives you a huge benefit right off the bat when you don't even know that's something you can do with the mm-hmm. it's you're taught by the little green guys that that's what you can do. And it's literally just teach by showing that you don't get the, <laughs> there's no, here's the timing for it here. None of that. It's just, you see them jump off the wall, spin the other way, jump off the wall. It's a great teaching moment. Yeah. Yeah. The way that this game conveys ideas story-wise, but yeah, as you're saying with, with your maneuverability and your, your, you know, the way they, they teach and illustrate is very, again, efficient, well done. They don't waste too much time on it, but they let you know. Yeah, and even like they do that again with the bird once you've got the the dash. And I don't remember what that move is called. It's it's just been so long. I don't think I ever knew the name of the move. Honestly, I learned it through Twitch some time ago, and I never remember it. Yeah, I, I can where tell you. she can harness the speed and then zoom off in a direction. I just think it's super cool how they teach you how to use these things. They're just like, have at it, have fun. We know we made a fun mechanic, and now you know how to use it. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think if you're not a huge Metroid fan, it is a difficult game to watch uh, other people play. But if you're playing, like that is, that is where all the fun is. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a game where there's not usually a ton of stress when you're exploring, except for when you first get to a new area and you're dealing with new enemies. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, it's it's more about cautious exploration, and then the high stress points are always the bosses. Mm-hmm. You've got, what, Fantoon. <laughs> how many times did it take you to figure out how to kill that guy? Which one is? I'm sorry, I've only ever played it once. What's he look like? Fantoon was the big uh, ghost thing on the ghost ship that fades oh no, in and out thing. and it shoots fire at you. Yeah, I, pro- probably five or six, conservatively, five or six. <laughs> yeah, that that thing was a mess the first time, and I mean, some of the bosses are kind of easy. Ridley was probably a difficult one on this one for a lot of people. Um, yeah, and I don't think it's even his high, his hardest. Uh, incarnation in the series by any means but it's still difficult sure what which one was the giant guy that you had to like magnet grapple onto and he's in the giant room giant guy that, you had to magnet grapple onto yeah unless I, I i did it wrong but it, i want to say his name's like krang or something but he's is oh craig yeah craig yeah craig is the one that's like three story or not three stories yeah. like 20 to 15 stories tall or something but yeah. you see him in like two rooms tall from right. the belly button up <laughs> yeah that <laughs> he's, was he's substantially was larger than he parts. was in the first game yeah but that was that was scary because you've got this giant thing it's a puzzle for a minute on how to how to beat him and then when you know even worse once you figure out what you got to do realizing you got to do that so there's a frustration of what the fuck and then you figure out what the fuck, and you're like, oh, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, let me just jump on these branches you're shooting out of your multiple belly buttons here, and then I can shoot you in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was bizarre, but what a cool, like... I don't know. It, it just it wasn't your standard thing. There's so many parts of Super Metroid are not your standard platformer or not your standard thing, and I love it. it it's it's its own unconventional, brilliant piece of of gaming. Probably, like you said, because that guy didn't understand what what the limitations of the system were. But either way, uh, it, it sure turned out well. And in my opinion, I think this is one of the cleanest uh, SNES games that I've ever played. Like the the graphics, the playability, everything fired, you know, nine out of ten or ten out of ten. And uh I, I feel like even I, I don't know if they pushed the hardware to its limits, but it sure feels like they packed it full of every everything good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like maybe because he didn't know a ton about the hardware, um, I feel like maybe they weren't afraid to try new new and interesting stuff with bosses. Because the bosses all feel pretty different from each other. Okay. It, it yeah. None of them feel like copy pastes of other other fights. Like in some games, you do get that. You know, even in Super Mario World, all the the bosses, it's a it's a pretty standard formula on how you beat them. They might move a little differently, but ultimately, it's the same thing. Oh, Whereas yeah. with every boss in Super Metroid, you have to figure out you know, the, the strategy to even get close to it. And then this, like, how do you hit it? Do you hit it too much? Do you hit it too little? What, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's full tilt action, but there's enough uh, puzzle aspect from like, you know, something you would see in Zelda. Cause you're right. Mario as a series is a big offender when it comes to copy and paste boss fights. Uh, but the, the way that Zelda treats its stages is the way that Metroid treats its boss fights. And I, li- I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I think Met- a good way to describe Metroid is very cerebral. I think that's a good word for it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of thought that goes into your how you explore, where you explore, where do you try to find secrets, how do you approach a boss, how do you, some, in some cases, how do you approach a new enemy in general? Mm-hmm. And then there's... Also, just the learning aspect of, you know, the first time you wander over to water and she just sinks because she's in this heavy metal armor suit. Yeah, she should sink like a rock. It totally makes sense once you've done it. But when you first go again, you're like, oh, this is fine. And then, oh, how do I get out of the water now? You know, right. Well, yeah, the first first two questions you have to answer anytime you play a new like platformer is what will spikes do and what will water do? (laughs) Hmm. I'm going to start asking myself those questions every time I play a new platformer. Oh, son, if you haven't started that 20 years ago, <laughs> that was like one of the first things I learned was you're going to fall. Are you going to die? Are you going to step on this? Are you going to die? What's going on? Yeah. Do spikes kill me or do they just hurt? Right. <laughs> Will water kill me or can I swim? You know? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I would venture to say that this game definitely set the tone for an entire genre of games. And that might sound a little cheesy and a little broad, but when you think about it, I don't think a ton of games were doing what Super Metroid had done before it. Metroid did it, but even Metroid and Super Metroid feel so far flung from one another. 
Super Metroid mm. is so far evolved over the gameplay mechanics and design of Metroid. And, I mean, Metroid was already kind of ahead of its time at the time with all the right. technological tricks they pulled to make that game work in the first place. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. The, um, the, the jump between the, the, the NES version and the, then the Super Nintendo is, is so far flung, like you said. It, it's akin to if they had only made Mega Man and then made Mega Man X. Yeah, that is a great way to look at it. Jeez. That makes <laughs> That is very apt. Thank you. Well, um, had you not started that whole thought, I never would have thought of that. So, I like it. <laughs> I like how we're we're going. So, this is a game I absolutely love. It's I don't want to say it's a perfect game, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed this game. I can't say I, I love it. I don't have nostalgia for it because I only played it recently. There are, as with, you know, having gone back and played more Metroid games, there are definite sections where I hate the section so much I would rather just not play the game. Um, and I, I don't remember the section, like what it's called, but it's Meridia? very quicksandy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I, I imagine it's the part that everybody hates. Yeah. And there's so much of it that it's like, if this were just a, a, a shitty little part, that eventually got better, I'd be cool with it. Like when they did a Metroid Prime, first time you're in the water, it sucks. But once you get the uh, the suit, you're fine. But with, with Meridia or whatever, it's just, here's a bunch of shit you got to do in a shitty place. Have fun. Yeah. It, Meridia very much sucked in that game. Even when you're all powered up, it still sucks. That's the only place I never want to backtrack to in that game. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and that's probably why it's not as bad in Prime, because they probably learned that lesson of, we can have a shitty part for a while, but we have to have a remedy for the shitty part. Like, make them suffer a bit, but after you're fully yeah. powered, it shouldn't be an issue anymore. Because even with the gravity suit, Meridia still blows just because of the, uh, there's the little guys that hug you, I think, mm -hmm. and drag you into the quicksand. And then the yeah. quicksand will send you down to another floor. And it's like, well, that's not where I wanted to be. That's not where I was going. <laughs> well, and so much of it looks the same that if you're not intimately familiar with the game, you have to then reestablish exactly where you are. And then if yes. I remember right, if you're not great at those double jumps or the continuous jump or grappling, you're going to be in there for a while. Yeah. That game just piled everything on the player. It's like, is there anything you're bad at? Good. Let's use all of it. <laughs> yeah right and that wasn't even the end of the game if i'm not mistaken that was like 60 percent of the way through i could be wrong there, yeah but that's... something like that is is definitely around 60 to 75 percent through the game when you come yeah to so that if, you're, if, if you're gonna throw everything at me let me be proficient and have my entire arsenal of 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 mechanisms first but uh yeah so that that part i i it's not that i want them to take that out it's just yeah Maybe I do. But yeah, for me, that, that one section is why I don't give this game a higher rating than I would. But I would, I'd put it between 90 and 95%. Uh, percent. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair rating, like even from me. And this was a game that I played through. I probably rented it and played through it a good three or four times. And then I still ended up buying it. I found it. You know, this was back when Super Nintendo games were 60, 70 bucks easy and yeah. went on a trip with my family to Vegas and at the fashion show mall, 
went with my uncle because he was just excited to go everywhere and do the shopping because he was from Florida. Went to the Fashion Show Mall in Vegas, and I ended up going into the electronics boutique there and found the game for 50 bucks. And I was like, oh, yes, please. Mm. <laughs> this is a great deal. And it is. I, I, I think that game was adequately priced, even at 60 or 70. Um, but yeah, 50, I would have. Absolutely. And I'm a, I'm a notoriously stingy person. <laughs> and I would have been like, 50, yeah, yes. I'd- I tend to be pretty thrifty on my purchases, and even back then, I generally tried to be, especially because, you know, I was working on allowance and shit, so. Mm. Yeah, that one, that's one that I was super happy to get, and you know what? I think I had it up until a year or two ago, I finally sold it. Oh, man. You know, I mean, unless you're just really into collecting carts, there's so many ports and ROM hacks. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't have a hard copy of it, but I've got it on at least three different areas. You know what I mean? Between the, the SNES Mini and, and various things like that. Yeah, I have it, I have it on the SNES Mini, so that was kind of my logic. Yeah. was like, well, I, I can part with this. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think I even have it on the Wii. Like, that's one of those things where I had it on the Wii back in like 05, 06, whenever it was I bought it, and I never had even played it, and I didn't have any intention of playing it, but I respected the title enough to know that it was a part of gaming history. And, of course, this is before downloads and, and ROM hacks and emulators in my, in my world. So I'm like, I'll, I'll have it just in case I ever want to play it. Yeah. Now, so. one other thing I want to touch on, because it would be silly to talk about a Metroid game and not talk about the, uh, the ending by beating it within a certain amount of time. Mm. The way they reward the player. Now, the way they reward the player is a little cheesy. Like you beat the game in under two and a half hours and you get to see Samus in a bikini. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> they they were definitely appealing to, to, to young men at the time, but uh, yeah. it, it still felt like an accomplishment aside from that doing the game in under X amount of time. So I think it was under eight hours. You get her without the helmet. Um, there might've been an under five hours. I don't remember. And then under two and a half was you get her scantily clad. But uh, I actually went through and did this game. I've only done it once. And this was well before Twitch existed. I did the game in under two and a half hours. I was very proud of myself. I think I did it in like 223 or something. And I was like, hell yeah. I was so happy. It, It was it. It definitely took some planning back then to make happen because nowadays everybody, you know, we've we've got multiple strategies online. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Back then, it was just I, I didn't even have a computer at the time, so I didn't have access to the Internet. I, I didn't have AOL or any of that. So it was right. literally I knew I had to beat it in under two and a half hours. I had to figure it out myself. Mm. And that felt like a huge accomplishment to me. It is. <laughs> uh yeah i mean not just for the bikini but yeah i mean that that level of strategizing as a kid like it's important you know that's the kind of stuff video games teach us uh even if it's not one-to-one you know for for real world application that is a way of thinking that is very important to develop early in life now i i will say the whole gender reveal of samus is awesome and i love that they have a strong heroine a, a strong female hero. Um, 
the the bikini thing i can understand how a lot of people would be like well that's just objectifying an otherwise strong and very capable woman and and yes it is and they were they were appealing to 12 year old boys at the time and i i get that but i i will say i i look at samus in a similar way that i look to the gal from the mandalorian the actress is named i think gina carino or carano gina carano carano yeah i i don't care for a lot of like her politics which has kind of been a headline or whatever but she is a very strong woman who oh, happens yeah. Cara to be is a total gorgeous. Badass. Yeah. Uh, so a, a strong woman who happen, is very capable, who happens to be knockout gorgeous. And that's kind of how I look at Samus. Like she, I, first off, I love a girl who can kick my ass. Uh, <laughs> if you ever met my wife, you'd understand. <laughs> and, and, and B, like her, her looks and sexuality or whatever is, and always has been, in my opinion, secondary or even tertiary, like way down the line to all of her other qualities that we just spent, you know, learning about. So yeah, it, it's, it's a ploy and it was okay back then. And maybe it's not okay now, but I, I will say that even though they did that, which is a cool reward, I, I, I never reduced Samus to that lowest common denominator, but I did, I did enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the the big reveal happened in the first game, you know. You right. you think Samus is a man because of the manual and the the book and everything, or the the box art and everything. Commercials, all of it said it's a guy. And then you beat why, the game. Why has it got to be woman. a manual? Why can't it be a womanual? <laughs> it's twenty twenty one. Everybody, let's get with it. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, in in Super Metroid, they made no bones about it because every time you die, her suit explodes and she's in her bikini and she screams. Right. You know, it's Samus is a woman in that game. They they don't hide it from you at all, which is kind of nice. But instead, they're like, hey, look, you know, you get to see a big pixelated image of Samus in a bikini if you win. That's a little silly, especially <laughs> 25 years down the road. But uh, the. The accomplishment of doing it in under two and a half hours and getting the bragging rights for that. That's where right. everything sits in that game for me. And I think they've, they did that in the first Metroid too, right? Like under a certain amount of time, you oh. get to see that it's a woman instead of that it's a dude. So yeah. that was the big reveal in that one. It wasn't driven by sex so much. It was driven by getting to see Samus without her suit on and learning that, hey, look, the whole time, the hero of this game has been a heroine. Right. And that was kind of cool. <laughs> I, I, I will say I've never been good enough at the first Metroid to uh, get anything more <laughs> to, to, to get her completely un, un, uh, unsuited. But... Uh, yeah, that was still a cool reveal. And then once everybody knew the Justin Bailey code in the first game, like mm. it, it, everybody knew, okay, Samus is a woman. <laughs> well, and, and the other part of that is, uh, you know, before that was common knowledge, you had all these boys, you know, playing and thinking Samus is a dude. And then in their free time, not playing video games, they're outside running around. Uh, like they are Samus, pretending that they're yeah. they're this character. So then, you know, the reveal happens, and they're like, "What? All right, okay. Can I still pretend I'm Samus? Like, you know, it's just, <laughs> it, it, again different time, and that's not to say that it's okay. But uh, what what a what a silly concept that must have been uh, for for kids who went through that. It had to be an eye opener for at least some kids, you know. Yeah. 
but uh, we're we're digressing quite a bit here, <laughs> <laughs> which is not uncommon for us. But right back to yeah. Super Metroid. Um, the the way they told the story in this game, the way they ended it all, and just let you think, okay, it's over. We win. It's done. You know, you blow up the entire planet for these creatures, for these space pirates, and there's no Metroid left at this point. Everything should be fine, right? And then you've got, what, three games that follow. So clearly, mm-hmm. Samus is not done, which is one of the great things. She always gets to go on a new adventure, even if it's not necessarily with a Metroid, even though the game is the games are all called Metroid. They're right. at least indirectly connected to the Metroid, which, you know what, that's something, one other thing I think we should talk about, the sound of the baby Metroid. Mm-hmm. It's such an iconic sound. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I wish I knew how to reproduce it. <laughs> well, you'd have to do that <laughs> cheese pizza voice for starters and then modulate some stuff. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> you, that was you know just a creaky kinda, door. Yeah, but yeah, you know what it kind of reminds me of? Like, just hearing it gives me similar feels, and I'm probably alone in this. In Final Fantasy VII, when you're breeding chocobos, before you see what you've bred, you hear that work. And it's kind of like that same iconic. I, I don't know. There's something about it, though, that same, same yeah, energy I, for me. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, that was it was interesting taking something that was just absolutely terrifying in the first game and making it adorable in this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which uh, which is kind of the reverse of real life. You know, when you're a, a young kid and you see a baby, you're like, that's adorable. But as you become an adult and you're responsible for babies, you're like, this is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you still love them and it's absolutely worth doing, but it is it is scary as fuck. That and there's some parallels there to real life because Samus just takes this baby and she hands it off to somebody else like, here, here here's a baby. Bye. Right, right. Do something with this. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been at a party and somebody just hands me a baby that I am unfamiliar with the parents, let alone the child. Right. <laughs> here, you hold the baby. Uh, all right. That's funny. Sure. Well, okay. And then um, continuing on with the sound thing, we talked about the music and the ambience. The, the the baby Metroid thing is great, but also like before we had rumble packs, the best explosion or rumble feature you ever heard or felt was the explosions from Super Metroid. Like that was so well done that I, I shudder to think what it must have been like to have an actual quality sound system to to play. You know, but every time something explodes, if the missiles explode when there's bad guys, just that low rumble. They did it so yeah. well. I love every the sound single... design for this game shooting and impact sound in this game was amazing like yeah, even when you just shoot a basic yeah even when you just shoot a basic shot out of your gun at the beginning of the game and it hits the wall and you hear the little you know it yeah. it sounds like it hit a piece of rock it doesn't sound like the bullet just petered away it's it's all very convincing sound design yeah i love it so i maybe maybe i misspoke maybe instead of 90 to 95 it's like 93 to 96 <laughs> I know we're we're splitting hairs here, but the more I think about this game, the more I'm like, yeah, I should really go back and play this one again because it was fun. I just I know what's going to happen when I get to Meridia, which is yeah, let's play some Final Fantasy four. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, not a hundred out of hundred people are going to love the the style of gameplay. But I mean, if you like this game, chances are you absolutely love this game. It's it's such a fun romp. It's just, it's also a, a total head scratcher the first time you're playing through. Yeah. 
All right. I, th- I think we've gushed about this game plenty. Yeah, I'll probably end up starting this. I don't know if I'll stream it because of what we were talking about, how it's funner to play than to watch. But I think I definitely need to, to go back and, and review the story and, and have some more fun with it. And I, I have no hope of getting it in under two and a half hours, but uh, that's OK. Yeah, I feel like it might be time to introduce my kid to this one. See, see what oh. he thinks of it. X-Man would love that, no doubt. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I thank you very don't... much. This is a great idea and this is a lot of fun. Sorry, my microphone. I'm going to have to do yeah. a lot of editing on this one. <laughs> sorry, sorry for all the tech issues on, on my side. Oh, that's if I need fine. To go I'm also and... beating up my microphone and showing it who's boss over here. So uh, I got to keep well, it yeah, in if check. I, if I got to redo anything or, or punch anything in, I'm sure I can, I can re-record little bits. But <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you very much. All right. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate your, uh, your support, your patronage. And uh, if you want to help support us, you can check us out on patreon.com slash press B. Is, was it press? Fuck, I never remember. I'm so <laughs> bad about this. Let me double didn't, check. Didn't it. we record some stuff to just enter in here so we don't keep fucking this up? I, I think I we did, but I couldn't time. find it the other day. Okay, it's patreon.com slash press B to cancel. Okay. And uh, we've got some new stuff in the works for uh, supporters there. And yeah. then we've got our shop. You can find that on the website, press B to cancel.com. Links to it there. So, uh, yeah, tell the people where they can find you, GP. Well, other than Presby, you can find me on twitch.tv slash theretrotherapy, or you can search for The Retro Therapy in any major social media platform. Sounds great. And you can find me, uh, Werewolf, Twitch and Twitter, W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. Search Google, tell it you meant it, you'll find me. And uh, we will catch you next time. Woo woo. Have a good day, sir. And everybody out there, thank you and take care. <laughs> Special thanks to The Last Ancient on Bandcamp for our podcast theme. Listen to more episodes on our website, pressbeatacancel.com, as well as feel free to like or subscribe at Apple and Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. Thank you to our supporters on patreon.com slash cancel. Your money helps keep this ball rolling. As always, thank you to all our listeners. This is Ben. Press B to cancel.